if push comes to shove, you're going to have to show me how developed I have to be not to be intentionally killed. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode, a step closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is A Step Closer, where we dive a little bit deeper on a topic that maybe you've asked us about or we've addressed on a broadcast, and we just had Scott Klusendorf with us to highlight an event coming up at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where he'll be with us on February the 5th, and uh, he's going to be talking about In His Image, A Case for Life in a post-Roe v. Wade world. I hope that you're going to join us for that. And uh, this is some additional layers for you. That's why we have a step closer, and that's why we're doing this session right now. So Scott has uh, agreed to stay on with us and to talk a little bit more. And Scott, one thing I wanted to ask you as we dive a little bit deeper into this topic and kind of wet the whistle of the listening audience is, Framing the pro-life argument to a person who's non-religious. So let's just say that we have a friend at work and they have nothing to do with church. They don't believe the Bible is the word of God. So for them, Genesis 1 doesn't matter. Uh, Verses in the law about the shedding of innocent blood don't matter to them. So how would you approach someone like that from a, a logic scientific standpoint? Well, we want to state our case formally, and that does two things. It brings clarity, but it also keeps the main thing the main thing so the topic doesn't get diverted to rabbit trails. Mm -hmm. So I tell pro-life apologists all the time, the three most important words in making your pro-life case are syllogism, syllogism, syllogism. (laughs) Now, that may sound like a big word to your listeners. It simply means a couple of premises followed by a conclusion. For example, Uh, Socrates was a man, all men are mortal, therefore Socrates is mortal. Uh, That's a premise, premise, conclusion. Well, pro-lifers have a syllogism, and it goes like this. Premise one, it's wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Now, if anybody denies that, they don't need an argument. They need help. There's something wrong with their moral compass. Premise two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. And then conclusion, therefore abortion is wrong. Now, to defeat that argument, you have to do one of three things. You either need to show that the terms are equivocal, meaning used in a way that are unclear or not consistent, or you have to show that one or more of the premises is false, meaning the argument is unsound, or you can show the conclusion doesn't logically follow, but it won't do any good to attack the person and say, well, you're just a man. Well, I may be, but how does that refute the argument I just made? Or say to them, well, you just hate women. Well, maybe I do and maybe I don't. I don't, but I could just play along and say, maybe I do, maybe I don't. How does that refute my argument by showing it's either unsound or invalid? Or they may dismiss it as religious and say, that's just your religious view. That won't work either. Arguments are sound or unsound, valid or invalid. Calling an argument a name like religious is a dodge, not a refutation. So we want to keep the main thing the main thing by framing it around a formal pro-life syllogism or argument. And then we defend that with science and philosophy. We argue from science that from the earliest stages of development, the unborn are distinct living and whole human beings. We also defend it with um, 
conveying the truth of abortion, that abortion does indeed intentionally kill an innocent human being. And that's where the imagery of abortion provides evidence for that. But we go further and defend our view philosophically by showing there are indeed differences between you, the embryo, and you, the adult, but those differences are not morally relevant such that we could say it's okay to kill you then, but not now. There's a difference of size. You were smaller as an embryo. A difference of de- of, envi- of level of development. You were less developed as an embryo. There's a difference of environment where you were. And there's a difference of degree of dependency. You can think of the handy acronym SLED as a helpful reminder of those differences. Size, level of development, environment, degree of dependencies. Those constitute the difference between you, the embryo, and you, the adult, but none of them are morally relevant. Size, there's your S in that SLED acronym. You were smaller as an embryo, but since when does body size determine your value? Men are bigger than women. We don't think men deserve more rights than women simply because men on balance are larger. We don't think Shaquille O'Neal, who spent most his career with my beloved LA Lakers, (laughs) is more human and valuable than all of us simply because he's a foot taller. Body size doesn't equal value, in other words. And level of development? Yeah, you were less developed as an embryo, but it's not enough to point that out. You got to argue why those differences matter. And if push comes to shove, you're going to have to show me how developed I have to be not to be intentionally killed. It's not enough to simply assert that development is a difference. It is true. As an embryo, you were less developed. For, but that's no big deal. Two-year-old girls do not yet have developed reproductive systems. Do we think they're less human and valuable than a 21-year-old young woman who does? Mm-hmm. Body size and development are not good reasons for saying we could kill you at one point, but not another. What about environment, where you're located? There's your E in that SLED acronym. You were once in the womb and now you're out. But where you are has no bearing on what you are. When you left your car to come into the studio, Pastor Mike, you changed location. I'm going to guess you took a journey of maybe 70 feet at least. Yes. Maybe 70 yards. I had to go up but some stairs, if, actually. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We'll, we'll say, we'll <laughs> say 70 yards just to be safe. If a journey of 70 yards didn't change you from one kind of thing to another, how does a journey of seven inches down the birth canal suddenly transform you from non-human, non-valuable thing we can kill Mm. to valuable human being that we cannot? And then finally, degree of dependency. Yes, you depended on your mother for survival. But again, why does that matter? There are conjoined twins out there. In fact, I'm thinking right now of the Henschel twins that the media has followed since infancy. They're now in their early 30s. They are joined literally at the hip. You look at a picture of these girls and you see one set of legs, two body trunks, two sets of shoulders, and two heads. Now, these two girls cannot live independent of each other because their organs are intertwined and their bodily systems are linked in such a way that separation is impossible. But if living independent of another human being is what grounds your right to life, neither one of those girls has a right to life and both can be killed. So if you look at this, the differences, think SLED. Differences of size, level of development, environment, degree of dependency are not good reasons for saying we could kill you then, but not now. Now, notice we've made an argument for our view. That argument has to be refuted. It's not enough to just say, well, I don't like you. I hate you. You're a man. You, your motives are all twisted. You hate women. None of that's going to work to refute the argument. And that's what we've got to help people see. 
Scott, and I think you've done a tremendous job with that uh, sled test, which I've heard over the years. And we've had Greg Kokel here um, on several occasions yep. as well. And, you know, so, something I want to say to our listening audience that'll make it even more, uh, I think, personal. Uh, maybe maybe this will just hit someone between the eyes is. And if your mom would have decided to abort you, do you, you know, the argument you were in the womb, you were the one kicking. That was you, not a potential you. And if an abortion took place, you'd be dead. And that, once the sled test is brought home, I think is irrefutable. And I think that um, kind of puts the frosting on the cake because then it's like, wait a minute. This is not just some philosophical argument now. This is, I'd be gone. I wouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean... It does help to personalize it and to simply say there's no essential difference between you, the embryo, and you, the adult, that would justify killing you back then. Yes. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com. Thank you.